So we're on day two of our week with corporate trailblazer, Kevin Gaskill. Kevin is absolutely renowned as a leader of iconic brands such as Porsche, Lamborghini and BMW and taking them to absolute record results. He's also founded and created international businesses in most sectors, delivering exceptional performance in companies that range from seven staff to 7,000, creating over three billion pounds in shareholder value. Today, Kevin, we're talking about purpose and vision. So we talked a little bit about overcoming COVID yesterday, but I really want to understand from your perspective, how do we go from ground zero to where you want to be? Because this is something that I personally absolutely love. If we haven't got a vision for where we want the business to go, how the heck do we know how we're going to get there? Um, can I take you way back a few years to Porsche? Because Porsche was a failing brand, bottom of the pile, when you were asked to be managing director. How did you get that to top of the top of the list, sort of in, in three years? Well, it, it, it was a huge challenge. Um, you know, to, to put some numbers around it, out of 32 brands in the market, we were number 32 in customer satisfaction. So we were at the bottom, real the bottom. And we couldn't sell cars. Um, we had three years unsold inventory sitting around in fields and warehouses, three years worth. So it's quite an extraordinary situation. And in fact, if in a way it was so bad that somebody had to do something different. So what we did, and I was appointed, you know, the, the most surprised person in the world at my appointment was me. And I looked at the business. I'd been in the business for five years and I looked at the business and I looked at the team. And I thought, these people are incredible. These people are extraordinary. But we haven't had a clarity of vision about where we need to be. And it was that clarity. It was that concrete purpose for what is it that we're setting out to achieve. And so the first thing I did was pull my senior team together and say to them, what is it we're trying to do? And, you know, you've got the usual answer, we're trying to survive. Yeah, okay, I get that. But that's, that's stage one. But where are we going? because all the decisions we make now have to be about taking us to that vision of success. And so the secret is about creating an effective vision of success. And what we said was, we want to be number one in customer service. That's it. We didn't talk about numbers. We didn't talk about profit. We didn't talk about market share. We said, we want to be number one in customer service. So everything we do has to be about changing the customer's experience of our brand because we're selling Porsches. You don't buy a Porsche to go to Tesco and do the shopping. That's not what you're buying. That, that's, 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 we're not selling cars. We realized we were selling an experience and we'd lost sight of that experience. And so everything we did within the business was about regenerating that experience. And that was a success. And that's where the whole team bought into it because Every single person in every role has a part to play. You know, there's no, there's no such person as an onlyer. He's only a car cleaner. She's only a sales manager. There's no such person. Everybody has a part to play. And if they understand what that success looks like, they can help you to get there. That's what we did. And, and, and I love that because actually you did it with the same team, didn't you? And, and I think we've both experienced, I have never met somebody that goes to work wanting to be crap. Exactly. And I, I think you say, you, you, you've said that to me many a time before. And, and I, yeah, it's genuinely finding that nugget. And I think you say it's, yeah, everybody's 5% genius. But just share with me, how many people of the original team did you lose in order to get to where you wanted to go? 
Well, I laid off 50% of the staff. I mean, we were, we were in such dire financial situation that if I hadn't changed the cost structure of the business, we would have gone bust. Mm -hmm. And so I laid off two weeks, three weeks, I think, after I took over, I laid off half the staff, which was just the most awful decision to have to make. And I tell people openly, I knew a lot of these people. They were my friends. I knew them. I knew their wives, their husbands, their kids. I went back into my new fancy office. I locked the door and I cried my eyes out. It was just the most horrific decision to take. But I reckon that I owed it to those people then to turn the business back into a success. And so we made those big decisions. And we, you're absolutely right. Nobody wants to do a bad job. And the reason most people are doing a bad job is because they don't know what's expected of them. Mm -hmm. When you have that clarity of vision of success and you, you make it very simple for people to understand how they play a role, then people are extraordinary. People will take you on that journey. And that's what we invited. Come with us on the journey, build something extraordinary. Let's rebuild the business. And I, and I know this is one of the most difficult decisions that many of many of our businesses that we work with at the moment are having to think about is if we're going to remodel the business, it does mean potentially that we're going to have to lose some people. But it's a bit like saying, well, that foot is badly infected, but we like that foot, so we'll keep it. But ultimately, it can, can infect the entire body and the whole body doesn't work. And it's so much better to have... 50% of your people and, and keep the business and grow the business back up than it is to have no business at all. You know, challenge, challenging times, I think, for everybody. Um, can I just ask you a question though, Kevin, because you have this reputation for being a troubleshooter and turning around unsustainable businesses into profit. Um, has there ever been a time when you've actually been on the bridge of a business? I know you've worked with Fairline, you turned them around, you've worked with BMW, significant growth. Have been a time where you've stood on the bridge of a business and thought, you know what, I can't help you? Um, probably yes, many times for a minute or two, but only for a minute or two because you know, you, you look at a business, you think, oh my goodness, where do we start? And then we take a step back and we break it down and we start asking the questions and we start exploring the opportunities. And, and you know, we do it in, in ways that people think, well, that's a bit odd. So I'll, I'll say to people, look, let's not focus on survival. Let's think about beyond that. So I say, what's the budget for next year? Grow the business by 3%. Okay, I get that. But how would you grow this business by 30%? And people go, oh, oh well, well, it's all right, look, we make it easy. Forget the 30%. How would you grow this business by 300%? And they look at me and say, you're crazy. I say, no, I'm not crazy. We've, I've done that time and again in businesses. We've grown it by hundreds of percent by thinking differently. And the alternative to laying people off is to do it the other way around and think, well, where could we use those skills? What could we do to extend this business, to expand this business, to think differently, to overcome what we currently perceive as the barriers? And that's the alternative to laying people off. Now, if you're in a crisis cash flow situation, then unfortunately, often reducing headcount is, is a way to go. But I try never to get there. I really try to say we never over-recruit. What we do is look for new opportunities where people can generate income for the business. It's thinking about the future. 
And actually, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because obviously you had that significant challenge at Fairline, didn't you? Massive. I think have they been through 13 rounds of redundancy by the time you headed up Fairline. Just can yeah. you tell me a little bit about that, that, that very purposeful and focused first week? Well, I, I had been invited to become a non-executive director of the business. And so I'd been in the business for some months watching it and realizing where that it wasn't happening, that this business was going backwards. Um, and the CEO was asked to leave the business and the chairman asked me if I would become CEO. And I thought, you know, we can fix this business, but I need to capture the hearts and minds of the team because the biggest issue is, as you just said, they've been through 13 rounds of redundancy, 10 years of losses, and they were looking at another set of negative results and so the way we captured the the hearts and minds of the team wasn't cynically it was about i went down to meet all the staff big factory 1300 people building boats building big boats you know these are five million pound boats and i introduced myself and i got a lot of abuse i mean the guys didn't hold back and i said what do you want to do and they said we want to build the best motor yachts in the market and I said why don't you and they said because you won't let us and I said what do you mean me I've only been here for five days they said no you management won't let us and I said what will it take and we had a conversation and there was a lot of ideas shouted and there were, there were a lot of concerns about the security of their roles and and the way they were paid and the bonus structures that were in place and so at five o'clock in the afternoon I said thanks ever so much I've taken on board your thoughts and everybody went home. I asked the finance director and the production director to remain in the business. And we spent that evening replanning what we could do to support the team in a different way. So we changed their pay structure, we changed their bonus structure, and we told them how we would begin to invest in different parts of the business. We did that until late into the night. When the guys came on shift again, I say guys, because there are very few ladies in that business. When the guys came on shift again at eight in the morning, we were already in the, in the factory with a projector and a screen set up waiting. And they said, what are you doing here? I said, we're here to feed back to you our response to your questions of yesterday. And we played straight back to them how we would change their terms and conditions, how we would help them with the bonus, uh, how they needed to help us to change the, the factory. Mm -hmm. That was a light bulb moment because they realized we were listening to them. We were listening. And from that moment on, we started to engage the team and the team became engaged because they could see that we're all in this together. And actually, I remember that from my BMW days when I was working with my BMW, your BMW days, when I was working with DDA International and going and working with the guys on the track. And, you know, and there was a real sort of the only time you go and speak to the senior management is to get a bloody bollocking sort of attitude with some of them. Yeah, fathers had been down the pits. So there was a real divide between them and us. And, and I just remember the fantastic experience of them almost unbelieving. Similarly, again, under, under your tutorage is that actually not only do they want to listen to us, they want to act on our feedback. And that's crucial, isn't it? If you're going to get people to buy into your vision, they've got to really understand it. They've got to really have the opportunity to challenge it, to think about it, to look at it and to understand their role in delivering it. Because I don't want them to buy into my vision. I want them to buy into their vision. I yeah. want them to share the vision. And so within our businesses, the vision is, 
you know, vision sounds woolly. It's not. It's very concrete. This we want to be number one in customer service in the market. That's that's what we're setting out to achieve, and we can measure that. But what is it that you're going to do in your role to help us to achieve that? And and you would talk about things like parts delivery, things like service delivery, things like the preparation of the vehicle, whatever it was. And in the boat. Um, situation the fairline situation we talked about quality because we were building boats and then we were having to do a lot of work at the end of the line to repair faults we said no no we repair faults as we build the boats let's take it back down the line to the guys who own because they're proud of what they build but the processes which were in place rushing them to do this by this time wasn't allowing them to achieve the quality they wanted and we changed the yeah. build. We changed the build process. We broke the, the boat down into units. Uh, we would build the wiring looms uh, in a separate room, and we just changed the way we did it so the quality was number one, and people could see how they were making a difference. And that is how we create the team that creates ultimately the extraordinary results. You have and, that sorry, emotional investment. Well, on Fairline, we went from ten years of losses into profit in fourteen months. Same team yeah. of people same team of people Brilliant. and i know i'm over overrunning slightly but i really want to just uh, because we both have this passion for africa and creating opportunity for some of the most impoverished people in the world um and i think that that's a really crucial vision that you had you worked with three ladies out there didn't you to set up a, an angels project Can you just give us give us an insight into that vision yeah well there were there, there are three ladies who who established a, an entity called the angels because they could see that providing charity to impoverished people wasn't the long-term future. You can't just keep giving people money to just stay alive. You mm -hmm. have to help people to create their own wealth. And, and they were looking at the townships and they were looking at um, uh, subsistence entrepreneurs, really. How do we give them a skill? And they came to me and said, listen, Kev, we want to do this. We don't really know how to set it up. And so I helped them to turn it into a business with, with a clarity of vision and some structure and some organization. And, and that's what we do. We deliver skill training. We deliver micro amounts of, of finance to people to help them. I, I, was, I was talking to one of the angels this morning, one of the three ladies, and she was telling me how they've just provided uh, one couple with a Vodafone SIM card and a, a, a remote SIM uh, router thing. And they have built a business from that. Now, we just provided that SIM card. I mean, it's tiny amounts of money, but you've now got two people who are running a business as a result of. So this is what we do. And, and in the last seven years, we've trained 8,000 entrepreneurs uh, and built 5,000 businesses. And they are self-sustaining. And that takes you away from forever asking for charity. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm completely with you with you on that. We, um, as you know, I'm a founder of Act for Africa, and and similarly, it's about how do you teach a man to fish rather than give a man to fish, or in our case, it's women in Uganda, and it, it is just that investment, and part of it for me is that emotional investment, that belief that guess what, you can do something, mm -hmm. you've got something that's really special, and we can really help you in a very small way to make a very very big difference. Kevin, thanks today. I, I want, I'm really looking forward to talking to you tomorrow about engagement and uh, communication. How do we let that 
energy, that intention, that vision filter down through all of our teams and truly make a difference. So thanks for that today and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Take care.